Okay, last we left off, the group had encountered two nightmares on their way to the tavern, one of which took Roberto. Brummelstone somehow received a note from Roberto that he was fine. The group continued to the tavern, where they were given the chance to pursue different paths while Tompkins begins to renovate the area. They've chosen to travel to Vasa's home world while they, while they wait, so that she can discover what's happened since she's been gone. At the end of the episode, Patch came from upstairs to once again greet the players. Is that supposed to be on the actual podcast you're reading? No, but I read it just in case <laughs> I end up using it way down the line. Gotcha. <laughs> Makes sense. Because I was like, wait, are we supposed to be recording right now? And then I was like freaking out because here I am like picking my teeth and like. Uh-huh. And- no, I cut all that out. I actually- Woke up in a lucid dream. Now we're hunting for the shards. We might be an oddball team, but at least we've got no bards. World Walkers! Welcome to World Walkers, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast played by professional cartoonists. I'm Pedro, the GM and creator of World Walkers. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that myself and the rest of the World Walkers are going to be at AwesomeCon in Washington, D.C. We're going to be there all weekend from March 30th to April 1st. Keep an eye on the World Walkers Twitter account, at World Walkers Pod, for more info, including where we're going to be at. I want to take a second to thank the members of Patreon who make this and every other episode possible. If you want to find out more about our Patreon, you should head on over to patreon.com slash worldwalkers. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy episode 57. What's the deal with your Tompkins? Roberto, darkness surrounds you. There's no sound, no way to tell where you are. You exist in a vacuum of non-existence. Then, suddenly, you feel a force in front of you, something like a wall. You begin to assault the space in front of you, first your weapons, and after they break, your fists. Finally, after your knuckles are broken and your arms are wrecked, after your entire body feels like it's about to collapse, you crash through the wall of force. Light blinds you as you pull yourself out of the nightmare and find yourself back in the waking world. You stand in a long hallway, thick stone and cold silence. You're in the cellar back on Cog. To your left is Vasa, bleeding profusely, unmoving. To your right, Ertleby, slumped against the wall. You could almost pretend she was sleeping. Tin has been shoved into the hard stone walls of the hallway. Her broken body looks a little different from a useless pile of shattered armor. Will this be the way you look when you die? Ahead of you, his neck being crushed by a blood-stained vault armor, is Brummelstone. The glass shards from his orb pierce the palm of his hand, and you understand that his hand must have been used to crush the orb itself. What do you do? Roberto immediately springs to the action. He rushes to check Brummelstone's body. Well, he's still being choked by the vault armor. Like, he's in the middle of his neck being broken. Okay, yeah. um... Poop yourself. Um, the vault armor... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Um, taking a second, split second to kind of collect his thoughts, he's just appalled by the sight of what's going on, but immediately springs to action seeing Brummelstone in danger. He, um, springs forward and attacks the vault armor arm. Yeah, yeah. Vault armor. Holding. What weapon yes. do you use? Did you say that mine are broken? The, uh, the, your sword, your melee weapons are. Oh, crap. Um. Shit. Okay, I guess I would attempt to free Brummelstone in some... However, I would want to pry him mm-hmm. out, like, 
in some way. Yep. I just want I want to I want to separate them. Okay. So you uh, rush forward and you jump up and try to grab him, but your hands are still broken. You can't get any kind of grasp or grip on him, and you try to get a decent uh, grip on him, but you can't. And the vault armor shakes you free and then throws you against the wall and knocks you out. And then suddenly darkness surrounds you. There's no way to tell where you are. There's no sound. You exist in a vacuum of non-existence. You once again find a force in front of you. Again, you break yourself attempting to get out. You finally break through, but the scene is the same. You're in the cellar. You may forever be in the cellar. This happens over and over again until at some point, right before you watch Brummelstone's neck snap again, a hand gently grabs your shoulder. She whispers something to you. She says, I'm sorry we couldn't get here sooner, brother. Remember who you are, what you are. These creatures, they want to make you forget that you were chosen for a reason. You were chosen by the endless slumber. Now turn around and walk with me. We're here to take you back. The woman behind you stands six foot two. She wears a dark purple poncho with white patterns etched across it that you don't immediately recognize. And she has two sheathed blades on her side and holds herself with authority. She waits for your attention to break free of the scene you keep taking in. Once she can see that she has your attention, she quickly takes your hand. You can already feel your environment fade a half step as your senses take hold and you realize that you're simply dreaming. She leads you down a corridor. The vault armor has begun to give chase, but every time you start to think about turning around, her voice reaches you, shouting for you to keep your attention ahead or on her, reminding you that you're a lucid dreamer. Finally, you find yourself inside the deepest part of the cellar, and before you stands the open door to your cell. Step in now, she says. That's the way out. What do you do? I follow her. She doesn't go in first. She needs you to go in first. You have to go into the cell of your own volition. This is really, really, this is really frustrating, because, like, it's hard to kind of break away from that image of all my teammates dying so horribly over and over again, but after much... After much reluctance and and like putting all my strength and force into it, I take a step into the yep. doorway. Once you uh, slip into the cell again, you're half afraid that it's going to slam shut and you're going to hear the, hear the metal clang. But instead, you find yourself suddenly in a simple room in a simple inn with a well-kept bed, a small writing desk, and a chair where you see the King of Dreams patch waiting for you. Um, and then you just kind of, your all of your senses return and you feel that you literally are now in the waking world. Patch, is that you? And he stands up and he looks at you and he nods and he says, it's good to see you, friend. I give him a really big, uh, slightly too hard <laughs> hug. He's kind of taken aback by it. He's not used to, well, he's not used to being touched really, but, uh, he kind of, uh, hugs you back. He's not really sure what to do, <laughs> but um, he takes a step back. He says, "Horizon, thank you for retrieving him." And the person behind you—that must be her name—and she kind of nods, and um, she says, uh, "It's no problem at all. If you'll excuse me, my people and I are going to continue patrolling the tavern's uh, exterior." And he kind of nods, right. and she's Horizon, thank you. <laughs> she kind of thank you for that. Yeah, I don't know nod. what just happened, but I really. Profusely express my thank, my gratitude. She doesn't look like she has a lot of words. She's just kind of nodding and trying to get out of there. Um, but she turns around before she leaves and she says, uh, "Let me know if you ever need some some training. Well, we'd be happy to have you. I think we have some similar skill sets." 
I will keep that in mind. Thank you. And then she takes a step forward and she kind of just walks through like this shimmering bit of reality that kind of wiggles a little bit as she walks through and then she's gone. And um, yeah, Patch takes a seat and he says, how are you holding up? Um, I'm, I mean, I don't know what the hell just happened. You were swallowed by one of the nightmares. Um, those large nightmares, those almost, um, slabs of hard nightmare. Uh, those are doorways to the nightmare realm. And one of them had managed to snag you and take you in there. Uh, I have a small group of people that walk along the edge of the dreaming. And they're the ones that are keeping this tavern safe, and they were able to go in there and retrieve you. Well, I again, I can't express my gratitude enough, but um, do you know where my compa- my compatriots are? We're actually going to go downstairs and see them right now. Oh my god. This is the best day. I mean, after the whole Groundhog Day thing, it's the best day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> let's go see them now. Let's go. And so he stands up. So, um, last we left off, you saw Patch descending the staircase. Uh, following him, maybe five or so steps afterwards, though, is Roberto. Oh my God, guys! Where have you? Where have you been? Where did you guys go? Where did you been? Where have you been? And for you guys, Roberto's only—I mean, obviously you miss him. <laughs> I hope, but uh, Roberto's only been gone for like maybe half a day or a day. I don't know how you guys have actually, you guys have time is kind of wonky here. Right. But like, he hasn't been gone that long, but he seems to react as if. Yeah. I basically give everyone like, these really, really two hard hugs. And it's like, Oh my God, you're alive. Like I take Ertlebee's face. and I'm just like, you're still alive. And then I go to 10 and I'm like knocking against her, like making clanging noises. And Vasa, I just like kind of poke a little bit. Cause I'm still scared of her, but. For those listening, um, pretend that uh, Brummelstone had arrived to the game on time, and he and Roberto shared a powerful moment of reunion. She'd be like, I'm going to talk to that dick over there, and she's going to point at the Dream King. <laughs> his, his like his cloak because if you remember like you can't really you if you don't remember you don't really see his features you just have the impression of him like the the uh, three inch goatee and the scar and things like that so mm-hmm. mostly he's just made of cloak but like he watches like his his cloak the the his hood just kind of tilt like huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> and. And, well, uh, well, yeah, Vasa would have given like a very sort of hearty welcome back clap on Roberto's back, but not seem overly concerned because it's only been like half an hour. And she got the letter that says that. <laughs> I was fine. gone for years. <laughs> years. And then she would she would go over, she would kind of like saunter over to the Dream King and be like, here, this is yours. And she fishes out the necklace pouch with a shard in it. And she sort of like tries to press it onto his chest, like take it. And he takes it. Uh, thank you. This is great. You'll keep it he, safe? Absolutely, yes. And he puts it in the satchel. He says, please sit down. And he gestures to the same table oh, that you I mean, first like, met. Are, don't we get some sort of prize for giving you back a shard? And she's like holding out her hand. She's like, eh, yeah. <laughs> He kind of, he doesn't look like he wants to, but he cautiously shakes it and says, thank you. 
Yeah, of course. Anyways, by the way, what happens if we lose a shard to the nightmares? Ugh, let's not even think about that. And he says, let's, let's go sit down first and, and discuss things. All right. Bartender, bartender. Basa holds <laughs> up three fingers. Yeah, he, he looks up and he nods and starts getting... He actually remembers the drinks that you ordered originally. And so unless anyone wants to fight him on it, he's going to just serve you the same drinks. Tequila. Ooh. Yep. I would also like a tequila, actually. Two tequila. <laughs> After what he's been through, he's like, I will, I will take this beverage. kind of tilts his head and he's like, um, sure thing. And fixes the, uh, <laughs> fixes the forge the drink. Um. <laughs> I toast it to Earl B and just go like, Hey. Hey. Earl B um, has been just writing in her book, um, potential code phrases. Roberto, if you want to get in on this with her, we can be brainstorming. Okay. <laughs> so you're both Absolutely. like huddled up, just like, oh, mm-hmm. mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you all sit down. You eventually get your drinks, and um, Patch looks over and he says, "How have you all been?" We nearly died like ten times. You could have sent us on this mission with a little bit more warning. What do you mean? Oh, you know, hey, what the nightmares are, what they can do, how they spring out of other dreamers and kill everybody around us, and, you know, things like that would have been helpful. You can, again, you can't see his facial features, but you can, you get the sensation of, like, a confused look, and he says, what makes you think I know how they work in the waking world? She kind of like, she's like, useless! I mean, you are the king. Presumably you have intelligence reports. From people who know something about this because it's relevant to the security of the dream world. And you watch his shoulders kind of rise up and then let go like he's sighing and he's like, let me let me be clear that I have many titles, many names throughout the multiverse. King of Dreams is definitely a title that I've been given. My primary role, my function is to be the guardian, not the king. I have no sovereignty. I don't have intelligence reports. I don't send out multiple agents across the multiverse to watch the waking world in case somebody who's awake ends up asleep and does something. I I appreciate the dangers you've been in, and I understand that you would like more, but please believe me that if I had more information for you, I would have given it to you. Tin just is like, someone's a little testy. <laughs> <laughs> we lost an entire tavern's worth of people. We lost an entire ship's worth. Casualties unforeseen. And I'll take you at your word that you didn't know this was a possibility. But you must know it going forward. Can you give us any boon, any advantage, Mr. Guardian, anything. Just thinks for a second. He's like, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what you're asking for. You're asking me to give you something. I mean, again, if, if I hadn't, I'm, he's trying to think of a way to put this. And he says, I would have given you anything that I had. What about that cloak? Does it do anything? <laughs> this cloak? This this is me. What if I wore it? Would that mean I could carry you with us? Is he a new Tompkins? The the cloak 
is more of a mantle of the guardian. I'd have to essentially make you the guardian of the dreamscape in order for you to wear it. Try it on, Vasa. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what's the what's the deal with your uh, your Tompkins? What's his deal? And he looks around to see if Tompkins is around. And he says, Tompkins, he, um, is a very unique individual. He, uh, you know, his family was the ones that charted the rounds, the, the different war, uh, the tunnels that you use to travel between worlds. His family was the one that charted out all of those and discovered them and mapped them out. Um, he, and he kind of shifts in his chair for a bit and he's like, it's important that if I tell you this information, it never reaches Tompkins. We're great at keeping secrets. That's our code phrase. <laughs> I'm kind of, yeah, I wait for a second. He's like, so do I have your word? Yes. Nope. <clears throat> Tompkins is an amazing engineer. He's an amazing architect. Uh, his dreams are wildly vivid and he like you is a lucid dreamer and i had first noticed him when i was traveling the dreamscape because his dreams were always so elaborate and so full he basically lived during times when he didn't have uh, access <laughs> he, he he lived before his inventions could ever come to fruition and I found him at the end of his life. He had lost a great deal, and he was old, and he had found a, a small place to essentially, um, I think, to pass on. And I found him, and I offered him a chance to come with me to the Dreaming, and give him something a little more and I don't know if I won him over or if he just didn't have the strength to say no due to what he suffered but he came with me and I had him help me essentially construct uh, the homes and the buildings on Stardust and then once Stardust fell I asked him to instead turn and build Mercurius, craft it, and give people a place to collect when they wander too far off of their dreams. And I knew one day we'd have to retrieve the shards as I scattered them across the waking world. And so, essentially, they're, they're spread out amongst the moments of his life. As he travels, he's going to take... he. The the worlds that he walked on his path throughout his life, that's where the shards are. As you walk, as he remembers things, he's going to remember the next step and the next step and the next step and go through and then find the shards. The reason that this works out so well for us is because he doesn't know, in a certain sense, he doesn't know where he's going. So there's no way to find out where the shards are. The nightmares can't reap his mind and find out where the rest of the shards are. 
That's why he's your guide. How many shards are there? There should be seven shards. And what if one were possessed by the nightmares? Theoretically, if one were possessed by the nightmares, it would be an incredibly difficult situation for us because as of now, the nightmares are probably attracted to you because you're lucid dreamers. They sense a sort of power in you. Um, So they kind of have been shifting their way through and finding you, especially because you've been touched by my presence. They can sense even more about you. You're kind of... you're even more interesting to them. If they were ever able to find you and discover that you had one of the shards, the the entire approach changes because they would become informed. Like right now, they're pro- they're just coming at you because, like I said, that you're they're attracted to your presence. Once they know that you have shards or that we're on the hunt for the shards, they're going to realize that time is of the essence. They're go if they ever find out, they're gonna come at you harder, they're gonna start attacking more and more worlds looking for the shards, and they're gonna try to find your pattern as to how you how you're tracking them down. Um Kevin Kevin, remember when you said like two minutes ago that you told us everything, everything you knew? Do you, do you remember that thing you said? Yes. Why? We we really could have stood to know that shards <laughs> should not be used as a weapon against the nightmares. Oh, okay. Let me. Hold on. I thought but to be, and you you can feel like he's, like he usually keep com- keeps himself composed. And he doesn't usually let like the more human side of him come forward. Um, but you can feel a little bit like a snark fill the room a little bit. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I should tell you not to show the enemy the very thing that we're hunting down in secret. I thought but that it was, was like, implied. Super well, you thought effective. wrong. Just like you thought your little dreaming tree was safe, weren't you? Anyway, and he's taking a, a step situation. back. He's like, "What? Hold on." Back to the hypothetical situation. What if a nightmare were to ever get their paws on a shard? And he just kind of <laughs> he just he gets a little quiet, and he kind of just pulls back a little bit. The lights in the tavern begin to dim, and for a brief second, you feel the world give way to despair. The others fade from your view, and you and you alone are left with the empty feeling of hopelessness. Another moment passes, and Patch pulls in a breath, composes himself, and the tavern returns to its previous state. And he says, um, when did it get taken? Where did it get taken? Uh, we were on Cog, I believe, and we were um, oh, we were fighting one of those giant ones, right? And it was in a street somewhere. Oh, crap, I can't remember. <laughs> it was not too long ago. I mean, does it matter when and where? It's gone. 
It does because if I know where it was at, then I can return there and I can start tracking it down. Oh, in that case, it was... Did we get off of Cog or... It, we were on Cog. We were still on Cog. It wasn't... Have you ever thought of which tavern investing were... in GPS? Which tavern were we at? <laughs> Do you, you remember sure which tavern? The um... ship? What if it was on the <sighs> ship? No, no, no. It was, it was in a tavern because, remember, we lost it in the fight when we took the thing off of Claiborne. It was an enormous nightmare monster. Honestly, you should be impressed that we got one of the shards away. Anyways. Oh, that's right. That's right. Me and Vasa, I totally had the situation under control. <laughs> and I told Erby not to help us. <laughs> I do remember that now. Um, I think it was the Midnight Oil. I think that's where it was. Midnight Oil, maybe, uh, I guess timeline-wise, what is that, two weeks ago? He just kind of nods. And then Vaso's like, this probably isn't a good time to mention that uh, it was a really large shard, too. <laughs> it's like a real, real it big was, It was like, she, like, she kind of motioned, she's like, it was kind of this big. <laughs> really, I shouldn't have given it to Grandmother, her hands are so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> We're just nodding, like, yeah, it was huge. <laughs> because the one we had. But hey, the one with you is safe now, right? Yeah. Look on the bright side. Yeah, one out of two, 50%. <laughs> yeah. Nice. One for two, one out of two. So he says, uh, he, he stands up and he says, I'm going to have to go retrieve the shard then. The rest of you need to get moving now. Wait, Do you want us to help you? how are you going to... You make it sound like you can just drop down and just grab it from the dude. No, it, there's no guarantee I'll see you again. Oh, Shouldn't sorry. we come with you then? Yeah, let's go no, with you. No, we have to split up. First off, to go that deep into the Nightmare Realm is, is too dangerous. Not only that, I don't want a crowd <laughs> to draw attention to them. It's true, some of us are very bad at sneaking. There's still other shards to retrieve. I think your talents are best spent retrieving the other shards. I have a really high stealth. Yeah, <laughs> we're very stealthy as a group. No, no, no. Let Mr. Dream King do his thing. Like, okay. he got a shard. We lost a shard. I would say we call it even. It's <laughs> <laughs> One is more than zero. We could have <laughs> lost two shards to the nightmares. <laughs> think about that. I, I will be thinking about that the entire time. Uh, <laughs> Patch the foot. <laughs> before you go, <laughs> get that shard back. Um, I had a question about Tompkins. As you know, we are on the quest of. We're like. We're like watching the movie of Tompkins' life play out in front of us. If he's, like, so old and so good at building, why is everyone else in Mercurius kind of a douchebag? <laughs> like, what's going on there? Why don't they respect Tompkins more? Because the Tompkins that they meet doesn't respect himself. The Tompkins uh... that you first met, you probably remember, I don't know if he's changed or not, but the Tompkins that you first met was... Uh, very childlike and didn't take anything seriously. Um, 
he knows the answers to things and plays it off like he doesn't, like he shirks responsibility, like that young Tompkins um, has not gained any sort of respect. Not only that, uh, it's coupled with the fact that his ability to create is so effortless, they don't really ever see the work he puts into the city. So he basically spent most of his time inside that large building playing and goofing around and anytime he had to do work he did it so quickly nobody ever saw him spend the time to make things work and a lot of times too the people of mercurius they're not permanent residents they may be there for an extended period of time but the population shifts constantly based on the needs of the dreamers drinking other than coming back here is there a way for us to summon you such that whenever we get another shard we can immediately give it to you instead of Trapezing it across the land, getting mugged every few dreams. Yes and no. There is a way, but it won't be available right now because I have to go look for the shard. Once I retrieved it and I come back, yes, basically, if you can find a way to fall into a deep enough sleep, you can reach out to me if you think it's safe. If the nightmares are in any way engaged with you or tracking you, if you think that their presence is no that your presence is known to the nightmares, you you shouldn't reach out to me. But otherwise, yes. Okay. But it requires an extremely deep sleep. Uh, in the past, people that I've worked with have used uh, sleeping potions, but those are pretty hard to come by. You'd have to find somebody who deals in that kind of wear, or someone who has really boring yeah. stories about their family. <laughs> I, I don't know if that would connect, but sure. <laughs> uh, also, another point: you're going, to, you're about to go on some really dangerous mission that you say we may never, may never see you again. If you were to uh, meet your end over there, what happens to us with our rest of our shards? What should we do with them? Keep going because I'm going to put up a contingency plan. Um, I don't know if there'll be another guardian. But I'm not taking the Dreaming Tree with me. So Stardust can still be rebuilt. Um, are we? Do we get to hear about this contingency plan? Or is it a... Uh... And he nods. He says, um, I, you're going to see it in a second. But I also need you to get Tompkins. Because it's, it's time for you all to go, too. Tompkins! Tompkins! Wait. Wait, while she's yelling, Tompkins! Tin, Tin, like, raises her hand weakly with her little busted up eyeball. Yeah. And is like, um, so. (laughs) Where can us forge get some repairs? Kind of in need of those. He thinks about it and he's like, Tompkins can repair you. Oh. He just might not know that he can. It's fair. We just tell him that we're a house and he'll (laughs) repair it. That's. It's not a terrible idea. He says oh, he's kind of under his breath. <laughs> um, th- there's a door that opens up on the first floor. And uh, Tompkins comes out. He's got himself a little tool belt. He's got a pencil in his ear. Um, he's carrying a bunch of blueprints. And he says, uh, yes, yes. What's I Get your butt down here. And then he sees it's you and he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? What do you, what do you need? Get down here. Come on. Tompkins, come here. Well, I'm really busy, remember? It's the Dream King. Oh, and he goes and shuts the door. <laughs> I realized I hadn't seen Tompkins in a while, so I give him a hug, too. <laughs> you say run upstairs and pick him up? Squeeze him too hard. Yeah, he's like, ah! <laughs> Papers fall. You died, <laughs> Tompkins! You were dead! 
Why? I don't know, but I'm. Oh, you're carry, better carry now. Carry him down here, Roberto. Carry I, him down I, here. I'm carrying him as I'm like shaking him. I'm carrying him down the stairs to you guys. But we're good now, so don't worry about it, Tonkin. Okay. That's our baby. Tonkin, can you heal me? Pat- he says, oh man, I wish. Kevin says you can heal me. Cool. <laughs> patches. Patches? He's only got one. No. He's like squinting, looking for the other patches. T- Tompkins, that's not important. What's important is I'm sad. <laughs> and then he kind of starts like, oh, hey. And he kind of takes it like really seriously. And he walks up to you and he says, you think I can fix you? I believe in you, Tompkins. You're really talented. He's trying to think how he's going to pull it off. And then he grabs the pencil off his ear. And he starts climbing around on your body if you let him. <laughs> and he starts making little marks where he's going to need to fix you at. And it's like... There's probably a method to his madness, but it's pretty fucking clear where you need to be repaired at. <laughs> but he's like marking you up, and he's like, "All right, all right, all right." Give me rocket boosters. And then uh, <laughs> you can feel Patch kind of smiling knowingly. But um, once Tompkins has figured out where all of your uh, problem areas are, he then gets out his uh, his tools and begins to work on you. And there's there's like some banging and some like chiseling and other weird noises. He kind of moves around. Yeah, take the girl out to dinner first, right? <laughs> and um, it's like the noise of like in a car garage, like yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know your own auto- like you know your own body well enough to know that like the things he's doing are probably more almost like the same like. Oh, I can tell you this because you are um, an arcane caster as well. This feels more like he's working through his like material components, almost like he's using these as crutches. Because the things he's doing don't coincide with what's happening necessarily as you become more and more repaired. But it's it's almost like he needs to do this stuff to believe that he's doing it. And then once he finishes, um, yeah, you're at full health. Dope. Sweet. <laughs> Uh, Vasa would then pick up Tompkins and then place him in front of Roberto and say, fix him too. I'll have what she had, (laughs) basically. Uh, The question is, like, will it leave scars, Tompkins? Do you want scars? Yeah. Cool, that's what I thought, man. And he's... I got you, bro. He he bumps nuts if you let him. Yeah. um, yeah, Within about, like, two minutes. um, Yeah, you've got scars. And, like, he's checking with you. To, like, check where you want the scars. Like, so, yeah. He's not leaving scars, like, on his own volition. He's like, right here, man. Is that cool? And you're like, yeah. yeah nice. So, yeah. We-, <laughs> we work together for the next yeah. however long it takes. And just, like. And then, like, once he's done, he's up on your shoulder. He's like, do me a favor. Can you kind of, like, lean forward? Like, don't bend your knees, just your back? Mm, okay. All right. And then he slides down your back. And he's like, I'm done. And he looks really proud of himself. Vasa Vasa rolls her eyes and then looks at Dream King and says, Tompkins is here. Now what? <laughs> he looks down at Tompkins and he says, uh, you're all heading out. So, And Tompkins says, no, 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 no. I, 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 I can't. Like, I can't leave yet. And Patch kind of brings in his breath a little bit and he says, really, why, why can't you leave? <laughs> and he says, I've, the people of Mercurius need me. They need me to... Uh, expand the inn. Um, they had some uh, very dedicated opinions about me and the kind of work I should be doing. And Patch looks at him and he says, "They, 
this this is beneath your talents. You don't need to waste your time with this. And he's like, well, where are they going to live? Patch rises to full height. And as he does, the open night sky that dances across his cloak begins to fill with a twinkling of stars. As the night sky becomes populated, the silhouette of a beautiful full tree starts to take shape. If you let yourself, you can lay your head against the tree as you bring your back to rest against its rough but welcoming bark. Beneath the canopy of the tree, you spend hours remembering. The moments of your childhood wash over you, all your hopes, worries, and dreams. The significant moments of your life, whether terrible or inspiring, come back to you. And in those moments, no matter how difficult they may be, you feel the embrace of the dreaming tree, the living embodiment of yours and everyone else's dreams, keeping you safe. I'm sending you guys stuff I pre-wrote for you on uh, Facebook. Oh no, I'm scared, but oh also God, ready for the emotion. My, my, my backstory. <gasps> I'm gonna read this. Oh damn, oh it's a lot of stuff. God. Oh my God! Oh my God! Hang on, I gotta. I didn't ask for this feels trip. <laughs> I am. I am like gonna cry. Oh my God! <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's like my birthday and Christmas rolled into one. <laughs> oh no! Oh no, the emotion! Oh no! Oh no! It's too oh much! Oh no! Oh no! feels! Oh no! I wasn't ready! I said I was ready for emotion, but I was lying! I was a big fat liar! <laughs> Adriel, this was beautiful. Oh, thanks! Pedro, this is the best thing I've ever read. <laughs> I'm so emotional right now. Aww. Aww. I just wanna I want to know what everyone else is says. I didn't wanna like overshare everybody's personal stories, so that's why I wrote it all out ahead of time and sent to you guys that way. You're welcome to share yours if you want to, but I know that was up to you guys. Um Wesley's signing on too pretty soon. Um, he just messaged me, so that's cool. Does he get his, wanna... like, punch yeah. to the, the emotional kidneys? I gotta say, Pedro, it took me a moment to realize what this last memory was of, but that shit's deep, yo. <laughs> Dude, it took me a moment. I was like, who is this talking about? But then I was like, oh, you're right! Damn! I'm so emotionally... Oh, everything hurts, but Aww. in a good way. <laughs> Gonna need a minute to like compose the myself. The emotion is too Just much. Now. The emotion <laughs> is too much. She's way too in character right now. Just saying. Like, I, I, I'm gonna, can I, I'm gonna save this. Hey Wes, what are you guys crying about? Well, um, let me know when you're ready, and I'll, I'll catch you up real fast. And then I'm sending you a Facebook message. It just says, "Hey." What's up with Megan? (laughs) 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 That's a a little rude. (laughs) Are you good, Wes? Did you finish? I I am. Okay. So now I'm going to go drink heavily. (laughs) As the stars high above the dreaming tree begin to fade, you slowly find yourself back in the tavern. Looking up, you see floors and floors of inn rooms, each one with a nameplate and a wreath, each wreath lovingly crafted to represent the best of a person's most needed dreams. The goatee that you experience but cannot see on Patch's face fills with spots of gray as the silhouette of the tree fades to shadow and then to simple folds in an old tattered cloak, the King of Dreams looks tired for the first time in a long time. 
and like the whole tavern kind of comes back and your your full presence is back inside the tavern again and like i said it's just like floors and floors and floors of of space for anyone that comes in and needs to live here and he says tompkins you don't need to do anything now yeah there's a there's a bit of a pause and then vasa says in sort of like the slow kind of impressed way he's like oh Buddy, you look like you could use a drink after that. And she like kind of offers her a cup of mead. And um he appreciates it and he 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 takes it, but he's not gonna drink it quite yet. And he says, So, Tompkins, I need you to take them back to Cog and then back down the other path that you did not go down. I appreciate you stopped by here and that you checked in on the citizens of Mercurius but it's time to get back to work. And Tompkins kind of nods. He's like, all right, yeah, sure. I can, I can do that. Uh, Vasa speaks up. She steps forward. She's like, you mean that we don't have time to go to Rollum? We were, that was the plan. And uh, he gets kind of quiet. He says, don't have time. And Vasa just nods without saying anything. And he says, uh, take them where they need to go. Stick with them. Help them out and I'm going to go after the shard. He kind of takes a step back, and you watch as the stars start to race across his cloak again, but instead of like that warm feeling that was there before, his colors kind of become a blur, and then he himself kind of starts to become a little bit of a blur, until finally the colors shift forward, and they, they shift kind of off of him. They almost leave no color behind. And then he color uh, returns to him. But behind that kind of blur of color stands Patch. But he does not look in any way special anymore. He uh, looks like a simple adventurer. Uh, you can see his scarred face. You can see his aged goatee for the first time. He's kind of got like wrinkles from uh, wear and tear more than age. Um, you can see that he has piercing green eyes and his tattered cloak with a patch on it. I mean, it, it, it's in shambles. He's still wearing the satchel and he also has this kind of glowing uh, green. Uh, this He's got a great sword on his back that's kind of glowing green. The power that's in front of you now, the kind of blurry color kind of takes shape and it looks like the patch that you're familiar with and it kind of takes form and stands up it's just that you no longer have the feeling of uh, the understanding of a goatee the understanding of a scar like it's essentially like it's almost like he's shredded uh, he, he basically sheared his power off and um he makes his way to a chair and he he sits down with like a kind of a, a labored collapse into the chair and he says um okay Tompkins take him um I'm going after the shard the kind of the power the the other patch if you will um takes a step forward and it has more of an ethereal voice now kind of an echoey voice and um it says I'll contact you when it's safe to contact me and he just kind of nods and that that kind of force that power 
floats along the floor and uh, it comes up to the door of the tavern and then you watch as the door just shifts from door to door to door. Remember when you guys first came in the door always looked different depending on who came in? It's almost like he's cycling different doors until he finds the one he wants to and it, it looks like the nightmare that you fell into in Porto. It's very similar to that. And it opens and the the cloak kind of moves through the door slams, and when it slams, it's just a regular tavern door again. And that's when uh, Patch, with his uh, thick, leathery, beaten-up gloves, grabs the mead and just starts downing it. Thanks for listening to episode 57, What's the Deal with Your Tompkins? As you heard during the game, I sent the players some write-ups on their characters' past during the game. If you're interested, I've shared my notes on patreon.com worldwalkers. You can follow the link in the show notes, or you can simply go to bit.ly slash dreamingtreememories. If you're looking for more Worldwalkers in your life, you can follow us on Twitter or at Facebook at worldwalkerspod. We're still accepting help via my GoFundMe as well. Uh, if you're not familiar with my recent health issues... You can find out more information at gofundme.com slash everybody-loves-pedro. I'd greatly appreciate it. The music from this episode comes from Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incompetech.com. The sound effects come from Sirenscape, which you can find at sirenscape.com. I know that was a lot of me fucking reading shit. That was my fast-forward <laughs> version to bringing you back that's, so you can play today. <laughs> oh, that's 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 totally awesome. Okay. Um... <laughs> Oh my god, like this Groundhog Day is the first thing I thought of. I'm just like, oh shit. Everyone dies. This is where everyone dies except, or I guess I die too, eh? I, I didn't want you to have to sit there for like ever or like not get a chance to play today, so I just kind of try to like crunch it all up. Uh-huh. Oh, thank um. you. <laughs> that was <All> right. cool. <laughs> this, is, this is not important, but I want to come up with like a wacky way for that note that we got from Roberto. To have gotten to us, like in one of the Groundhog Day scenarios, he just goes crazy and he like <laughs> in like somebody's blood like yes. writes this note, being like, and he like I'm accidentally fine. casts a spell. I'm totally fine. If you want to know, um, those Rangers threw it out real fast, oh, and then went okay. like they lied basically, just for your own personal curiosity. Like they wrote that note and then they threw it out there. Like they can't worry about him; they have to keep going. <laughs> They lied? Yeah, they lied. <laughs> Say what? For the greater good. I'm so so basically, anytime we get any mysterious messages from here on out, don't trust them. <laughs> That's up to you. I don't want to tell you how to play. We've learned a valuable lesson about trusting <laughs> mysterious notes from friends of ours who have been sucked into monsters. <laughs> we should all make a, like, a password. Oh, it's a good idea, yeah. Like... <laughs> So we know for sure it's one of us is writing it or sending the message. A really <laughs> a really mundane phrase that is the code phrase that tells it like we're I'm in deep you're in deep shit. Yeah, what should it be? I'm in mm. deep shit. <laughs> <laughs> How about Vasa, you're the life of the party. <laughs> we just say that like all casual like Vasa. Yeah, and then Voss is like, what are you talking about? And she has no Did idea. It's about yeah, code freight, if only. I think Roberto <laughs> would say that normally, though. <laughs> Something that you wouldn't say.
Mine would be like, I could really go for some mead right now. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> you don't drink. Oh, wait, you do drink. No, I, I don't. Don't. You don't. Mm. Like, I've thrown <laughs> This is falling dung. apart quickly. <laughs> oh, no. All right, when Vasa gets back, we'll brainstorm our code phrase. I got to confess, that's actually a code word I use at weddings when somebody, when I or somebody I know is too drunk at a wedding. We say, name, you're the life of the party. Oh. And that means you are too drunk at this wedding. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey. It's worked very well. I'm back, and I'm recording again. Cool, cool. You have a life of the party, Jane. <laughs> Give me a... Uh, <laughs> but before we start, I think the group wants to discuss code words? Yeah, just to make sure that it's an authentic message from one of us. <laughs> They're upset because they found out the message that said, I'm fine, from Roberto was just written by those rangers to get you guys inside the tavern so they could go look for him. Oh, I thought you meant in real life, because Olivia looks like she could get murdered any second. I know, right? Like, <laughs> Blue Beetle, Blue Be- Mr. Beetle. GG, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's a... Reload that's a, from late to save point. Yeah. Freeze on Rollins. <laughs> Reload. <laughs> stands for <laughs> Great <laughs> Jehovah, spelled with a G. I don't actually know Rollins' history. G-G. Yeah. It was enormous. Was it a whole patch. building? It was, it was enormous. No, it wasn't, Megan. It wasn't a whole fucking <laughs> building. <laughs> the Forge Tavern is... Enormous- um, my question for the group is, are we in, like, how Tompkins got his groove back, the adventure? Or <laughs> Tompkins breaking bad? Like, we know he's not respected right I've now. I've seen neither. He's going to so go on a quest. Know. And he's going to find himself, and we're going to be there with him. I'm going to, I'm going to read this, but um, I wanted to take a moment to tell you that my wife came up with my drag queen name, and that it should have been Cintique. Like <gasps> S-I-N. <laughs> That's gold. And I felt just, that is gold I felt, right yeah, there. Wow. I felt just a little bit more in love with her in that moment. <laughs> <laughs>